Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our, our message is the gospel lesson. Uh, Mary anointing Jesus with expensive perfume. Our theme this year is the Ten Commandments. And so you would expect that we would do what commandment tonight? Number one, right? But you've noticed that hasn't been the case. We're starting kind of backwards, aren't we? Nine and ten. But there is a reason, and I'm sure you realize that there is a reason. It may seem like a strange place to begin, but it's really not. Think about what the ninth and 10th commandment are. The sin of coveting is condemned, right? And where does coveting take place? It takes place in the heart, right? It's a sin of the heart. It's not a sin of action. It's a sin that comes from the heart. And this is a good place for us to begin because as we go through all the commandments this season, we're going to be reminded that every commandment that is broken is broken first in the heart. Our sinfulness grows out of a heart. We sin because we have a sinful heart. And it makes sense that we would do this on Ash Wednesday because Ash Wednesday is a time of repentance, a time of examination of our sinful life. And where should we examine? But our heart. Here's where we make a thorough examination of our heart so, so our focus is indeed upon the sin of the heart, a sin that leads to other sins, and a sin that blinds us to the blessings of God. But we're going to look at the ninth and 10th commandment, the sin of coveting, by examining the gospel lesson. And as we approach the gospel lesson, we hear John start it this way. Six days before Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was. That's the setting. Six days before Passover. It's all a reference to Passover. But this wasn't going to be just any Passover, was it? The Passover he's referring to is a Passover in which the Lamb was going to be Jesus himself. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So even as John starts this account, he reminds us that this event and all that takes place here is about the cross. It's about the suffering that our Lord would endure. And so everything about this text should point our eyes to the cross. And indeed, even as John describes the act of Mary's love, it should bring to mind the idea of the cross. John says it this way, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Jesus gives us an interpretation of this, right? He tells us what's going on, that Mary is anointing his body for the burial. There's an irony there, isn't there? Because they couldn't anoint the body after his burial. When the women arrive on Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday, there is no body to anoint. This is the anointment of Jesus for burial. And so her actions are an expression of, God, of her great love for the Lord. And all who look upon this are to recognize that Mary is responding to the love of her Savior, the love that Christ has shown her. And as Mary anoints his body, the focus is on Christ. And isn't that what it is tonight, this Ash Wednesday? The whole purpose of Ash Wednesday in the Lenten season is to draw our attention on Christ, and most specifically on Christ, the sacrifice for our sins, the one who goes to the cross, that we might have be saved and have salvation. But not everybody sees this event that way, right? John tells us that Judas condemns the act. He says, 
Why was the anointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? That sounds so pious, doesn't it? But John points out that Judas is just hiding his sinful and covetous heart. Judas cares nothing for the poor. Judas is the one in charge of the treasury of the group. And he's stealing from that group. When he looks at Mary doing that act, all he sees is the perfume, the dollar signs that that perfume could bring in, the dollar signs that could be his. His heart is full of coveting. And isn't it interesting that this sin of coveting leads to other sins? But also understand that the sin of coveting blinds him to the blessings that's right before him. Mary is anointing the Savior for his burial, and Judas doesn't understand. He doesn't understand or fully grasp who Jesus is. He just covets the money, and that sinful desire leads to lying. And that sinful desire also contributes to his betrayal. It's a covetous heart that accepts the 30 pieces of silver to betray his Lord. There's a connection between the coveting and sin of the Jews as well. John explains that those who heard about this, the Jewish leadership that was around, heard about people coming to see Jesus and coming to see Lazarus, and as a result, they covet his following. They covet his fame. They covet what they think is his fortune. Again and again we see coveting leads to sin. But I spent quite a bit of time talking about Judas is coveting, the Jews coveting. What about you? Do you covet? Do you have a sinful heart that covets? Our parts by nature are no purer than Judas's, no purer than the Jewish leaders. Don't we look around the world with covetous eyes? Haven't you ever thought or said, you know, if I just had fill in the blank, then everything would be much better. And we fill in the blank with all sorts of things. If I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit more time, if I just had a little bit more health, if I just had felt a little bit better, we can go on and on and on about all those things that we lack. We just had a little bit more that everything would be okay. Are we not coveting? Do we not covet that which other people have? As, as we are unsatisfied with what we have? And, and we know that coveting leads to other sins. But I really want to highlight the fact that a coveting heart misses the blessings of God. If we're busy coveting something else, if our eyes are wandering because we want more of this or that, whatever it may be, then how focused are, are we on the things that we do have? Isn't our coveting blind us to the thing that God already has given us? Doesn't our coveting heart miss on the blessings that we have and possess? But again, that's why we need to draw our attention on the Lord. See, Jesus directs the attention on his mission. He says, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of burial. Jesus draws the attention to the cross, to the Passover, where he will be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Mary was acting on a heart filled with love and thanksgiving. She loved her Lord. She trusted in him as her savior. She may not fully understand what was going to happen over the next week and a half, but she trusted him. This is the man that raised her brother from the dead. She placed her trust completely and totally in him and showed her thanks and love in this loving act. And Jesus did exactly what he promised. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He did die on the cross, but then he rose. Just as he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was raised from the dead. And in that resurrection, sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your coveting. Your lack of contentment. Your lack of, of being satisfied with what you have. Your wandering eye looking to something else or wanting more. And the beauty of God's forgiveness that comes to you tonight is that it does lead us to contentment. When we understand the forgiveness that is ours, we understand that our Lord gives us that which we truly need. That as we pray in a little moment, in a few moments, give us this day our daily bread, we understand our Lord hears and he answers. He supplies today the very things that you need. And tomorrow he will do it again and the next day and the next day. We will understand that in Christ we have all that we truly need. And as long as we're focused on him, we are content. And that's why we're here tonight, to focus our attention on him. That's our mission throughout this Lenten season, to focus on him and to find in him contentment. Lent provides us those opportunities, those, those extra times to worship like tonight, the, the traditions of Lent that, that many people take up or giving up something or fasting or taking something on can help us. But whatever you do over the next 40 days and the Sundays in addition, if it draws your eyes upon the Lord and focuses your heart on him, it is time well served. Because in him we find all that we need. We find life now and we find life eternally. Yes, beginning with the ninth and 10th commandment is a good place to start. Beginning with that sin of coveting is a great way to begin our journey because it forces us to examine our heart. And as we move through these commandments over these next several weeks, we will see that breaking of the commandment begins in the heart. What we are also going to see is that the keeping of the commandments begins in the heart. As our hearts are wiped clean, as we are forgiven, we can respond like Mary. We can respond in love toward our Lord, in love to our neighbor. Because it's our Lord who cleanses. It's our Lord who forgives. It's our Lord who makes our hearts clean, now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting. Amen.